When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome to Strange Love here on the Running Through the Jungle channel on the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Brandon Harriet, with the fellas, Justin Lacey and Tim Lyons, and a very special guest, Kate Pope from, what is this, Only One Ravens Podcast, Fans First Sports Network. Kick Pope, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you, man. How you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing great, man. How you guys doing tonight? Good, We're good, doing good. good, doing good. Get uh, you know, talking football. You know how it goes. Yeah, man, it's football season, man. It's great. It's great. So you, uh, you're you're down there in Ravens Country. That's correct. Yes, sir. I'm down here in uh, Ravens Country. Uh, you know, good old purple and black. So yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's been a up and down roller coaster type of season, but. Hopefully we can get things straight. Yeah, you uh, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, there's been some consistency issues with both of our teams for sure. Um, before I get into that, though, I wanted to ask you, only one Ravens, where did that mantra and that name come from? Uh, so when I thought about coming up with the podcast, like, I listen to a lot of other podcasts, and I kind of, like, feel like some podcasts, they try to be – politically correct because they're talking about the team so it's almost like they don't want to step on the toes of like your coaches or your owners or your gms whereas on my podcast we we free range it don't matter we're going to dog out the coach we're going to dog out the players we're going to dog out the gm we're just going to keep it real I, i just i hate to be politically correct when you know things are wrong you know what i mean but i'm gonna give you your flowers too when you do great things too but I don't want to say, oh, well, Harps, you know, Harps was just, you know, things weren't right. That's the reason. Like, I don't want to blast over it. I want to be realistic. So I guess that's why I say only one Raiders podcast because we only keep it real there. You know what I mean? Most podcasts I listen to, they just, they glass over things. They try to make it politically correct so you can feel like, okay, it's going to get better when you can see the writing on the wall and it's not as good as you think it is. So, that's why we call it Only One Ravens Podcast. Yeah, we do okay. the uh, the roaring reactions every week. And this past week, uh, our reactions were not that great. Um, <laughs> we did give a little bit of a pass, uh, kind of a, a little bit of a pass because of body of work to Tyler Boyd for dropping a couple balls because that's, that's uncharacteristic for him. But someone on this panel has been very – uh, critical of coaches and play calling. I don't know who would do something like that, but somebody on here has done it quite a bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we we you know we hold we hold we hold people accountable. We hold we hold people accountable. Justin, you had a you had a question for King Pope, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And King Pope, it's definitely a pleasure to have you on the show. You know, this is one of those we do some great crossover work, get to understand what the uh, makeup of the team, whether if it's a division rival, who we're playing that week. It's always great to understand because you already know how it is. It get kind of like lonely, always just talking about show team. Whereas yeah. you think that you when you think that something is happening only here, like for example, we got a lot of fans that always have the mindset of only in Cincinnati that this happened. Well, you got to step outside of that a bit and see that other fan bases and other teams go through a lot of things too probably some even worse so 
Um, but we've seen this Ravens organization evolve over the years. And, you know, we all remember the Ray Lewis era, the Ray Lewis, Ed Reese era, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed era, you know, that produced a, the 2000 World Championship and then the 2012 uh, World Championship, too, which personally I was rooting for you guys in 2012. You guys knocked off both Tom Brady and Peyton Manning in the same playoff run. Mm -hmm. But now it's shifted to the Lamar Jackson era. And, you know, there was a lot of highs and a lot of lows and some minimal lows, I would say. The lows not necessarily been because of Lamar outside of the contract talk and then him dealing with a couple of injuries the last two seasons, but more or less because of the offensive scheme that the fan bases seemed like that they were very critical of with Greg Roman. Now you got Todd Munkin. So I want you to kind of take us through a little bit of how you feel like that the Ravens are sort of corralling around Todd Munkin and trying to make sure that he has plays designed for to fit not only just Lamar Jackson's skill set, but to sort of elevate the passing attack, which we're all seeing right now. So with Todd, I have I'm precautionary with Todd because Todd Todd is like Jacqueline Hyde to me. Like one week it's like oh he's amazing, and then the next week it's like dude what are you what are you doing? So like when the season started. <clears throat> We were like the number one red zone offense in the NFL. But to me, that was fraudulent. And that's what I'm saying. Like, fans are going to give you, they're going to be like, oh, well, you're just being negative. But let's just keep it real. It was the number one red zone offense because we were allowing Lamar to run in for touchdowns. We weren't throwing touchdown passes. He was running it in. You know what I mean? I wasn't seeing those spectacular red zone play calling where he was getting guys open and they were making great plays. It was just, okay, Lamar, we're going to run the – put you in the gun and we're gonna and you know you're gonna fake it to the running back and then you're gonna go score a touchdown. You know what I mean? So that's why in the beginning it was successful. Cool. So then as weeks go by, we start to realize that we couldn't score points in the red zone because the play calling was horrendous. You know what I mean? So it, it got tight in the red zone because you know as you once you get into the red zone, the square gets a lot smaller. So I didn't see the creativity from Todd Munkin and our red zone offense just went down really bad. So I kind of started calling them out on the podcast. Well, as soon as I call him out on the podcast, we play the Lions, and all of a sudden he figures out how to call plays again, and we're putting up, you know, crazy amount of points. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, that's why I say he's like Jacqueline Hyde, because it's like, I don't think he has, I'm going to be honest with you, the Ravens do not have an identity on offense yet. And, we're, and I'm saying this, and we're in week 11. And yeah. I should not be saying this. So with Todd... That's why I say I'm kind of cautious him because I really don't know what I'm getting yet. With Greg Roman, I knew what we were going to do, and it just got old. It got old and it got stale. In 2019, wow. it was great because no one's seen it. But as years went by, it was like, come on, man. You, your passing concepts are like elementary school. Like, we knew that. But, I mean, fans were glossing over because we could run the ball great. But you want to be able to throw the football to open up the field. So, with Todd... I believe his passing concepts are good. It's just that I think he has to learn to get a better feel for the game. And then he has to also have some more creative opportunities to get guys open. Like, you got to stop forcing certain players and then open it up to more players. You know what I mean? Because when he was at Georgia, you had a great talent and uh, Brock Bowers, and you could just do whatever you wanted. But that's college football. We're in the pros now. So this game's a lot different. Guys a lot more faster. You can't do it, you know, certain things. So I just think Todd, I guess he's working through his growing pains to be, I get better. So that's why I say I'm kind of cautious with him. Yeah, sure. You know, I uh, actually, watching him go from pass happy, uh, his first in the NFL, go back to college, and then you're, we're smash mouth football. We are um, uh, play action pass, tight ends in the seams. Um, and deep shots, you know, that kind of is what that Georgia offense had been in the past couple of years. And I really think the J.K. Dobbins injury mm -hmm. uh, kind of probably midstream changed where he thought he was going to – I think he was going to do that same thing, bell cow, play action <laughs> pass, and, and, and all of a sudden we're like, okay, now we're going to have a committee, running back committee, um, and then you're having – not only is you know his first year here at Baltimore with you guys, but it, you know there's um, what two, three new wide receivers. You got uh, two. Uh, 
two. Oh, Zay no, Flowers. Sorry, you Flowers. No, you got three. You got three. I'm sorry. Yeah. You got Nelly, so, Zay, and um, yeah. and Odell. OBJ. Yeah. yeah. So those. I three... forgot that you guys had Nelson Aguilar too. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. So yeah. now you got three guys that not only have not played with the new offensive coordinator, but haven't played with Lamar Jackson. Yeah. You know your MVP quarterback. So. You know, I really thought the big statement win of the year was you guys come out and stepped on the Detroit Lions. Uh-huh. Um, they they were on a, a real hot streak, and and I that may be the best the best dominant win so far this year for me for my like. Uh, um, which I'm gonna what, say I would even say that the follow up game against Seattle, you know, that was even that damn near one upped it too. I mean, so. Um, well, I, I would ultimately agree that the statement dominating win against this, the the Lions, as you just pointed out, I think that holds a little bit more of a higher standard to me um, because it basically just set the, the Lions were hot. They were, they absolutely were. And Seattle, they just they were winning too. They just come off came off of a nice little home victory against the Browns, and they, they come on the road to be more. And then next thing you know, they they call it be more careful for a reason because Seattle fell right into that trap. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with that. But see, I, you guys look at it like that, right? And I look at, okay, yeah, the Lions was great, was, was a great game. But then you play like dog crap against the Cardinals. So it's like, who are you guys? That's why I say I'm confused. This team, I'm, I'm being honest with you, this team confuses me a lot. Because the Lions, okay, yeah, we know they're, they're way better than they have been in years. You know what I mean? Better for, you know, coaching well. They got better players. Their defense is playing better. Offense, they got weapons. You know what I mean? They got receivers. So my mindset going into that game, I'm like, man, we got to be on our game because, you know, they got good receivers over there. And, you know, Jameer Gibbs is a great running back. And they just came out there and they just curb stomped them. So I'm like, okay. Then you go play the Cardinals and you, like, lay on your back. So it's like, where was the team that played against the Detroit Lions? I'm, I'm confused. You know what I mean? So I don't know. The, the, the Ravens. It, that's why I say it's up and down for me, man. It's it's hard to figure this team out. Yeah, I feel you. Well, that, that that's a great segue into our our first um, subject here in the rundown, which is this is a tale of two inconsistent teams. Well, I would say two very super talented rosters. But uh, I'm gonna ask you. Uh, Tim, we'll start with you. Give us a state of the union run, uh, rundown for the Cincinnati Bengals, if you would. A little synopsis of where we're at right now, what we got to do to be a little more consistent. And uh, I will say this, uh, King Pope, I apologize. This is where Tim's going to yell about running the damn ball. But <laughs> other than that, I don't know what he's going to say. Run the damn ball. <laughs> I'm tired of them giving up on running the ball. Well, you know, like we've said over and over again. yards of carry in a game, and then we just stop running the damn ball. So run the damn ball. That's our consistency. Um, You know, my my biggest concern is is our injuries right now is what my concerns are. That's for me. You know, that's something that I'm concerned about, you know, because we don't know what's going on with T. We don't know what's going on with Sam Hubbard um, and also uh, Trey Hendrickson. You know, are they out? Is Chase 100%? Um, you know, that's just something that I'm concerned about on my end. But also, I think our promising our promising factor of the Bengals team is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is 100%. He's going to change what he did last Sunday, and he continuously to grow stronger and stronger as 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 the time goes on. Even though it's a test of time, you know these next these next you know these last games are must wins for us. We have to win in our division. You know, we're playing against a tough Ravens team. It's it's gonna be a tough game. I agree with you, Justin. You agree with this sentiment, or uh, got something to add to that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I obviously agree with that. You know, running the ball has just been very much an allergic reaction for the Bengals' offense. It seems like they have a talented running back in Joe Mixon, but the problem is, is that even when there's spurts and moments where he gets hot, they tend to take it out, take the ball out of his hands because the best player on the field is Joe Burrow. You know, so. They want to make sure that at the end of the day, you're putting the ball in your best player's hands, and that's your quarterback. However, you got to have a little bit better feel for the game if you're the coaching staff, more specifically on the offensive side of the ball. And that's what sort of drove the inconsistencies there. Um, you know, King Pope, you already mentioned about, you know, the Ravens, you know, they're showing inconsistencies like you curved out the lines, but then you also didn't really show up too much against the Cardinals. 
but then you also re-showed up again against the um the seahawks but then saw what happened this past sunday against the browns the Bengals are coming off in that very same moniker whereas that they've won four straight games but the seahawks game we disappeared for a whole entire half and most of that was because they couldn't really complete a pass to save their life and also they became really predictable on offense because they couldn't run the ball and they did not establish a running game early enough but you saw what they did against the San Francisco 49ers in their house, and that was the most creative I've ever seen in the offense for this entire season. But, ever, but however, we followed up that performance with a really good Sunday night football win against the Buffalo Bills, but we know that we left way too many points on the board, and that's what was frustrating, which led to the game against Houston of us not being able to sustain our offensive efforts and then their our defense not stopping our their offense it just seemed like that it just rears in the ugly head at that point so i do agree we gotta we have tough matchups ahead but i absolutely agree that running the ball is pretty much our biggest inconsistencies at this point yeah even when we're doing it well we don't do it you know what i mean it's just 4.2 yards of carry last last game and what 11 carries and you're constantly behind the chain, behind the chain. I really think, you know, I, I don't know if it's too much for Zach to call plays or if he just gets too pass happy because he's got one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But to me, that's the biggest thing. Um, now, the one thing I will say this, uh, being a uh, mature Bengals fan, there would be years in past where if we were playing this kind of way, I'd already shredded the papers, threw them away, and been, you know, ready to burn a pile of clothes. Th these Bengals are different. Every time in the past couple of years that their back has been against the wall and they had to win, they've come out and win. So, although I don't like getting to this situation, I don't think it was necessary. I don't think I think it was a couple of games we left out there, um, and last week being one, I I. I I'm not going to hit the panic button, but again, we're in must-win mode, right? Um, and we're playing a really tough divisional foe. And uh, I'm, I mentioned on Run It Through the Jungle, uh, King Pope, two straight divisional losses in Baltimore. Kind of hard for me to believe that uh, that you're going to roll over and let us pet your belly on this one. Uh, I, I think this is going to be a dog fight from the word go. So uh, what's your take on the state of the union with your team and, uh, and what's going on with the Ravens? So I'm very disappointed in the Ravens right now. I feel like last week's game was, to me, was very important more for the Ravens than the Browns. I get it, the Browns need the victory. But if the Ravens win that game, you put even of a more – of a bigger chokehold on the division. You know what I mean? You go eight and two instead of being seven and three. And now you're looking like, okay, you know, we can win one more divisional game and we're good. But now you put yourself in a situation now where though if you lose Thursday night, you might not even win a division. So it's like this team, I feel like they lack killer instinct. Like mm. when I used to watch Tom Brady in the days of them running their division. When they had to dominate and take over and have that killer instinct, they did it. They did what they were supposed to do. That's why they ran the division so long, because they had that killer instinct. It didn't matter if they was up by 10 points or 14 points. They were still going to keep scoring points on you because they realized that they had to dominate you. And I feel like when the with the Ravens, you have 14 points and you just let your foot off the gas. You have 31-17 going in the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? Like, you're not supposed to lose that football game. Lose that sense of urgency, kind of. Yeah, and then it, and then be honest with you, it's been like this for a while now. I mean, last year we had collapses like last year. I go back to when we played the Miami Dolphins. We were up twenty-one points going into the fourth quarter, and we lost that game. You know what I mean? That's concerning. You know, so I just feel like this team is still having the same lapses from what they had last year. So it's like if they're not blowing you out like they were blowing. Uh, the Lions or Seattle out, then it's like it's nerve wracking. You know what I'm saying? So I don't I don't know what to expect from this team at times. I feel like the defense is is to me to be honest with you, they're very fraudulent. You know what I mean? The numbers to me are very skewed about this defense. I don't think the defense is as good as what people think they are. 
You know what I mean? I think they have a lot of weaknesses. And I believe Cleveland Browns exposed some of their weaknesses. They literally came in here and ran straight through our test, and we couldn't stop them. Like, literally. I mean, Jerome Ford was getting, like, almost five yards a carry. So, I just, I don't know, man. It's a, it's a lot of things that I see differently from what fans see. I just, I don't see things of what they see. You know what? That's very interesting that you bring that up about the defense. And I know, Brandon, we're going to go to the next subject matter here. But I, I, I just got to ask this question, you know, because I think that the national pundit thinks that the Ravens have the best defense in football. And then the Browns right next there behind them. And then Pittsburgh's defense is up there, too. Um, when you guys made the trade last year for World Quan Smith, I feel like that he was the perfect guy that unlocked. He was the perfect catalyst that sort of unlocked everybody's skill set around. Patrick Queen was on, was all but like considered a bus it felt like yeah. and then patrick then now you make the roquan smith trade and next thing you know he patrick queen looks like an all-pro linebacker along with them so what do you when you say that you feel like this, this defense is very fraudulent that they're giving up big leads do you feel like this is because that like you said they lack the killer instinct because it seems like that each time we watch them from afar that they just they're, they're still showing their physical proudness kyle hamilton safety is rounded into form pretty well um, I, I think really highly of this defense. He also had a number of injuries. Marlon Humphreys is not really the big-time shutdown corner like he was in years past, but he's still a damn good corner, in my opinion. Justin Matabike is developing to one of the better pass rushes in the division alone. Um, but I think that it all started with that trade from Roquan Smith. So I want, to, I want the Bengal fans to understand that because you don't have to necessarily suck into the narrative of what national media will tell you based off of the Ravens' defense. You're you're going to give us the keys. Is like this is exactly how Baltimore actually runs their defensive scheme. But I, I just wanted to bring that to you to ask you that question. Okay, so let's look at it this way, right? When I look, okay, prime example, we played the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? And mm-hmm. caught off drops everywhere. You know what I mean? We dropped the football like crazy. You know what I mean? If we caught the football, we probably blow the Steelers out. You know what I mean? Thanks. But. Think about in the Steelers game, right? We still had the opportunity to win that game. But what did the Steelers what did the Steelers have that the Ravens didn't have that game in that game? They had a closer. They literally had a closer. You have your you have your TJ Watt. You had your uh what's the other guy's name? Um Alex Highsmith. Alex Highsmith, right? Your closers. The Browns, you have Miles Garrett, your closer, the Bengals, you have Trey Henderson, you have Sam Hubbard, you have closers. So in those key moments when you need to win the game, your closers come in. Last year, we played y'all in the playoffs. Sam Hubbard closed the door. You get what I'm saying? The Baltimore yeah, yeah. Ravens lack a closer. Your, your Roquan Smith is not a closer. He, he doesn't have those moments to be a closer. That's where your pass rush has to come alive. The Ravens, to create pass rush, they blitz. Look at it. Kyle Hampson has mm-hmm. sacks. You have... Um, you have your uh, safeties have sacks. Your linebackers have sacks. Your D-line, like everybody is contributing to sacks. You don't have a pure dominant pass rusher to close off your game. And to me, for the Ravens, that's what you lack. You need that to win you football games when it's tight, when it's close. You know what I mean? And they don't have that. And that's what they lack on the defensive side. You know what I'm saying? So like last, on last week on Sunday when we played, we were up 31 to 30 and we couldn't close it out on defense because we had no one to close out that game for us to end it for us. So that's where gotcha. the Ravens to me, that's why I said they're a little fraudulent because they don't have those particular guys to say, okay, this game is over. Whereas though back in the day, we did. You had your Terrell Suggs. You know, you had those oh, guys. T Sizzle was a the game, you know what I mean? So we that's where the Ravens lack to me on defense. Yeah, I thought David Ajaba might be that guy for you. He just can't stay on the field, man. Yeah. Cannot stay on the field. Yep. Well, um, you definitely do have some good things going on with your team, though. It's not all doom and gloom. You got some really good things going on on offense. Linebackers playing great. Where do you see um, your biggest opportunities for this matchup on Thursday against the Bengals where uh, your Baltimore Ravens might be able to take advantage of? So I feel like the Cincinnati Bengals have not seen Keaton Mitchell. This would be your first time seeing him. And I think the Cleveland Browns, they, they found out who Keaton Mitchell was early. But the problem with the Ravens was they stopped running them. So from where from talks right now, 
from Harbaugh and everybody, they're talking about Key Mitchell's going to get the ball more this week. So I guess you guys are going to get the chance to see Key Mitchell a lot more. I believe his explosion in the running back area is exactly what the Ravens need. When you put him and Lamar in the backfield and you run your mesh plays with them, it's kind of like pick your poison. Both guys have exceptional speed, great vision, and they can run the ball well. So it makes it harder and tougher on the defense with those two guys coming out of the backfield. So I feel like if the Ravens will run the football more, like you guys, like my man Tim said, run the damn ball. <laughs> exactly. Run the ball. You have the opportunity. He'll to say it again before we You know what I'm saying? So I like, we haven't seen an explosive running back like this since J.K. And J.K.'s been hurt for a couple seasons. So we finally get a guy, to me, that's very explosive. So I feel like if the Ravens are able to run the football, it'll actually open more things for the offense to do. So they got to run the ball. Yeah, he's a he's a what a four four sub four four guy, right? I think he's four three. Yeah, sub four four guy. He's quick. So yeah, quick. Yeah, quick in the hole too. All right, we're gonna switch over here. Bengals, Tim Lyons. What opportunities do you see the Bengals having here against the matchup with the uh, the Baltimore Ravens? Man, you know that's hard to say because. Every damn time that we play the Ravens, it's it's a fast, rough, tough, freaking AFC North football. You know, it, it's it's not oh, you know, you got a weak secondary or you got a weak linebackers or defensive line. In some way, like in week two when we played them, even without you know your guys' big guys missing like Humphreys and yeah, you guys were missing him, and you guys were still shutting us down. But even though Joe Burrow was playing on one leg, mm-hmm. but you guys always seemed to put it together. Um, I think if Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase has pretty good games against Baltimore. Yes. I think Baltimore. I, I think Jamar Chase um, and minus T Higgins. So we're going to see Tyler Boyd out there. Um, I, I think we're going to have some, you know, some good positive. Uh, plays maybe maybe some chunk you know some some chunk plays. Um, hopefully they mix in the ball you know you know, excuse me they mix in running the ball. Um, but the Ra- you know the Ravens I you know I've been watching AFC North football my entire life, and ever since the Ravens came out, and this year, you guys are still tough. You guys are tough every single year. You know, we play against AFC North uh, teams. It's nobody's really you know sweeping everybody there's usually we're splitting because it's such a it's such a rough you know we're, we're the best division in the afc i think we're the best division in nfl football the afc north mm-hmm. you know so hopefully you know joe burrow can go out there and do what he does do what he's known to do joe shasty shows up and you know he throws for 300 yards gets a couple touchdowns um mix in you know with uh, joe Mixon running the ball um, but I give all the props to, to Baltimore. I've, I've always watched Baltimore. I've always loved watching Baltimore play. You know, I love watching Lamar Jackson do what he does. Mark Andrews is one of my favorite tight ends. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be a hell of a game on Sunday or on Thursday. Mark Andrews, one of my fancy tight ends. It's going to be tough to watch. <laughs> yeah. With that said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back and get more into these opportunities and uh, biggest concerns. You're uh, listening to Strange Love or Running Through the Jungle, Fans First Sports Network, World Pace of Bills, and be right back at you. All right, we are back here at Strange Love, Running Through the Jungle. I know it's an odd name. But it's one of those things where we we uh, we show some flowers over to our our brother that we play this uh, great game of football against. You can't play it with just one team, and we're uh, we're we're really excited and happy to have you here, Ken Cope, um, from Only Ones Ravens here on Fans First Sports Network. So we left off with Tim, told us what his opportunity was. Uh, for the Bengals to take advantage of the game. But, Justin, what's your biggest opportunities for the Bengals to take advantage of in this game against the Baltimore Ravens in a must-win? Well, number one, you got to be able to go blow for blow with a tough team like Baltimore. It's really hard to pinpoint just one major weakness when you have two big dogs in the AFC North. 
don't let the last place team fool you in the division. The Bengals are the, one of the best teams, uh, if not the best team in the AFC North. When it comes to offensive skill, play, position, all that, you name it, the Bengals are pretty much the top of the list. They have an unquestioned top five quarterback at the helm with Joe Burrow. I also think Baltimore has one as well in Lamar Jackson. I know he gets a lot of criticism for some reason in the national media. Dude wins over 80% of his games. So that's ridiculous in my opinion. Um, but it is tough to pinpoint exactly where you can sort of take advantage of because when I look back on that week two matchup, you know, one of the things I said we could take advantage of was their secondary and then boom, here comes Geno Stone. <laughs> so it's like it's not going to be an easy tilt. However, I am going to utilize that secondary that you can use as a pinpoint, even though I know T Higgins is not playing this game. Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd are pretty good against Baltimore's corners. However, it's the safeties that you got to be on lookout for. But I think Tyler Boyd is the X factor here for me personally. I'm not sure who he's going to be lined up in, but he normally lines up primarily on a slot. But with the absence of T. Higgins, I think you can expose to whoever the outside corner is, boundary corner is going to be that's going to cover him on the outside because he can surprise people with running deep routes too. It's not just them slant pattern curl routes. He's not just a check down merchant. Uh, just to get a quick first down for Joe Burrow. He showed you a briefly there in the game against the Texans that if he needs to be called upon, he can be a number one receiver too. And that's the that's the triage of what makes the Bengals receiving core so electrifying is because you got Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase all revolving doors of the number one receiver, even though we know the true number one is Jamar, of course. Um, but that is an opportunity to exploit if you're the Bengals. It's not going to be an easy task because, as I just mentioned, we tried this in week two. And while we did score some points, it was a too little too late. And Baltimore was able to run out the clock. And then, boom, there goes the win for them. And Jamar also had a touchdown pass right in his hands that got ripped away by the DB on that on one of those plays that could have put the game in more control. But it didn't happen. So it's not going to be easy walking apart. So. That would be my answer to the question of the if I had to pinpoint one opportunity to exploit. All right, I, I can dig it. I can dig. Um, King Pope, you actually kind of alluded to to what I would think we might be able to take uh, advantage of here in this game. Um, most of your pressures have come off of blitzes, mm -hmm. and now that you have Burrow healthy and able to get off his spot and move around, it's a dangerous way to come after him. So, either with some running, I might actually look at that prop bet for over yards on Joe Burrow. That's a different podcast I do with gambling, but <laughs> but um, but I, I, you know that's something I'm going to take a look at. I, I really think he's going to get off his spot, and I think he'll a you'll see some running, and b you might see. I think that when he gets out of the pocket, him and Jamar Chase are on the same page. And I think if he gets outside of that pocket, that's where you might see, um, it, it, where you might see Jamar Chase get open in, in in your field. So I think those are the plays. I think the off schedule plays, um, where he's outside of the pocket or or running, are where I think we might be able to take advantage of things. But uh, as far as the Ravens go, Kick Pope, what uh what concerns do you have in this matchup with the Bengals? Uh, I have concerns of if my defense is going to be sleek in the beginning of the game. Um, I felt like last week we started the game, everybody seen Kyle Hampton and catch the pick six and we score a touchdown. And then the defense, we go three and out and we come back and we score a touchdown. But after we put up 14 points, that defense went to sleep. If you paid clear, I mean, I was there. So if you played close attention, that defense went to sleep after we went up 14 and nothing. They let, they let, they let the Browns run the football on them. They kept running the football, and the defense did not wake up. When they played Seattle, they punished them from start to finish. Same thing with the Lions. They punished them from start to finish. They never fell asleep. So my biggest concern is if the defense do come out, are you asleep or are you wide awake and you're playing hard-nosed football the whole entire game? Because I believe if my defense can play like they play, like they're supposed to play, I think we could beat anybody. But they got to play that way. They fall asleep at times when they get comfortable in a situation. And I don't understand why they do that a lot because I guess you feel like you got Lamar, so it's okay. But sometimes Lamar shouldn't have to be Superman all the time. You guys should be able to win the game without Lamar sometimes. 
Sometimes Lamar needs you to win the game for him sometimes. You know what I mean? It's a team sport. That is, he shouldn't have to be Superman all the time for us to win a football game, man. Like, I just, I, and I preach that a lot on my show too. Stop letting Lamar be Superman and let everybody else contribute for us to win football games. I think when I want Lamar to be Superman is when we were up 31 30 last week and we had the football. We should have won that game. I wanted Lamar to be Superman then. I wanted him to take us down, score a touchdown, tell the Browns, go home, pack your bags, it's over. That's when I want Lamar to be Superman. But at other times, hey, let everybody else help out, contribute. Yeah. Do you think it's like a, a thing where they're content to keep the ball in front of them? Like if you're only giving up five or seven or eight yards at a time, it's kind of you took the foot off the gas there for a little bit yeah, instead of know, just trying to dominate it. Yeah, you know what's funny? I was listening to um I was listening to a local sports channel today, and one of the guys called in and he said I don't understand why when we play a game, we come out guns are blazing on defense. Then once we get a lead in the fourth quarter, we start to play prevent defense and back off. Like, why don't we just play the same aggressive way even still in the fourth quarter? We get burned, we get burned. But if we've been doing it the whole game and we've been successful, why stop? And I agree with him. Like, why play prevent defense and allow teams to just nickel and dime you all the way down the field? You can lose that way. So just keep playing the way you're playing and let it play out. Yeah, I I, I totally agree with you, man. I, I, the prevent defense has done nothing but prevent wins uh, for a long, <laughs> that's long a great way to, that's time. That's a really great way to put it. Yeah, that's a great way to put that. All right, Tim, what are your concerns uh, in the matchup here against the Ravens? Uh, week 11 must have. Well, it's a short week. It's a divisional opponent. We're playing at Baltimore. <laughs> what else there is more to say? You know, the Baltimore is going to run the hell out of the ball on us because that's what they do. Either Lamar's going to run the ball or Gus Edwards or uh, Mitchell are going to get the ball. You know, and then also Mark Andrews. We've been crap on defense when it comes to tight ends. Our rush defense has been non-existent, you know, as last week. You know, we let 100 and, 100 and some yards rushing by a guy that made him look like, you know, I don't know. We, 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 made, we, we made him look like a future Hall of Famer, you know. And yeah. so, you know, there is those concerns. It, it's, the ball, it's the Baltimore freaking Ravens. You know, Lamar Jackson ain't going to sit in the pocket and wait for him to get sacked. He's going to run all over the, around that damn field and either throw the ball to somebody that's wiggled their way open or he's going to run the ball down the field for 20 yards. That's all there is to it. That is my biggest concern. You know, are we going to come out there and spy Lamar Jackson? You know, are we going to put one of our safeties on Mark Andrews? It's, it's going to be – this is going to be a true test – and don't make it sound like I don't believe in our defense, you know, and Lou, we trust has been our, our, our motto for, you know, a lot of these games. And I think Lou can put a defense together to slow the defense down or excuse me, slow Baltimore's offense down. But those are my major concerns is, is, you know, Lamar, the rushing game and Mark Andrews. And of course, and I'm sorry, and I don't want to forget that defense blitzes like a, like a pack of rabid dogs sometimes they disguise their defense very very well all right justin uh what would you like to add to that i feel like tim didn't all say right. anything about running the ball but go ahead okay uh, yeah it was implied Come, we it was implied. it's always implied that's right so here's my big concern, and I'm obviously tied both together with offense and defense it's the war in the trenches with the offensive line they showed their ugliness of letting allowing too much pressure up the middle. Alex Kappa had one of his worst games against the Texans. He made Sheldon Rankins look like a freaking three-time All-Pro with the three sacks, and I don't think he had a game with three sacks in like two or three years. And Sheldon Rankins is an older player. Um, Cordell Volson still tends to tr uh, struggle in pass protection too. So although Joe Burrow is deadly against the blitz, especially when he's healthy, you do worry about the pressure getting there too soon for him to make his go through his reads and his progressions to be able to have those answers in the back pocket just in time. 
So that's the first thing I'll say when it comes to the war in the trenches on the offensive side of the ball. Not so much Orlando Brown and Jonah Williams. I think Jonah Williams has rounded into great form when it comes to the right tackle. Uh, Orlando Brown, you guys had him. You guys had him, you know, back during his uh, first couple of seasons in the league. He's a great left tackle, um, even though I know he played right tackle primarily for you guys. But he wanted to play left tackle there, and it just didn't work out for him. He traded to Kansas City. He had the uh, year there, won the Super Bowl, unfortunately, under our despise going through us. But we were happy for him getting the ring and bringing that moniker of being a Super Bowl champion, playing a Super Bowl, being an all pro left tackle here in Cincinnati. And I think that it's worked out for us. He still have his moments where he'll get beat here and there. But for the most part, it's not as glaring and bad of what we had in years past. But that part still worries me based on how creative and how dynamic Baltimore's pass rush can be at times. Then let's go over to the defense. Again, we're sticking with the war in the trenches. The number one concern with me, obviously, is the rush defense. It did not look good last week. But we've seen this look not look good in weeks prior, too. You know, we've, we were really good against Kenneth Walker when he played us. But that first draft still sticks in my crawl, whereas Kenneth Walker just boat raced us down the field and scored the, the Seattle's first and only really touchdown of the game. Um, Christian McCaffrey didn't run the ball all that much for real, but when we played the Ravens in week two, I just still think about those lanes to where even when the pass coverage holds up, we always tend to let the middle of the field kind of open or the edges open because the pass rush doesn't get home in time. And then let's say if it's on a third and eight, what's very frustrating is Lamar's looking, he's looking, he's looking, he's looking. Nobody open. All right, boom. I got the first down with my legs. And then boom, we're right, we're right where we started again, where we could have gotten off the field on 38, but because we didn't get it home enough in time with the pass rush or run stopping, you let him just use his legs and how creative and dynamic he is and electrifying as he is. He 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 just beats you just with his legs alone. And then the drive continues. I worry about that a lot on our defensive side of the ball. Now that Sam Hubbard is also going to be absent again. Sounds like this Thursday. Trey Hendrickson is playing, but he's really the only main pass rushing generator machine. I do like that you said he is a closer because he has been a closer for us this season, especially being a part of those big wins, getting a strip sack fall to seal the deal. But we're going to have some newness on our D-line with Miles Murphy, our first-round draft pick. We don't know what we got in him yet. He's we're, he's supposed to be solid uh, as a run defender type of edge player, but we don't know. We haven't seen it. And then Joseph Osai has been a disappearing act this year because he hasn't really been able to get on the field, not necessarily due to injury. It's because his snap plays have just kind of diminished. He hasn't been that player that we've wanted him to be, and we need those two guys to grow into the next phase for those inevitable years when we need Trey Hendrickson and we can't resign him past you know, his extension and Sam Hubbard, he gets up there in age. We got to start invoking our nucleus of young guys. We, we haven't seen the new guys step up to take over. Cam Samplin has been okay, but that's just one guy. We still love DJ Reader. He's a big plug up the middle, but we already know Baltimore is going to game plan for get, uh, to try to defend against him with Tyler Lindenbaum um, and stuff like that. I wouldn't say Ben Powers, but Ben Powers, I don't even think is with you guys anymore. So that's where my main concerns is, is losing the war in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And if you do, this game can get ugly pretty quick. And you don't want that if you're a Bengals. No, no, I don't want that at all. Um, I, I'm i going to harken back to what Tim said. The past three weeks, tight ends are uh, averaging eight catches, uh, just under eight catches a game for over 100 yards a game. Mark Andrews is pretty good. Um, that's going to be that's gonna be uh, number one issue. And uh, the number two issue, we're 31st in run defense, giving up over five yards carry. Um, so those two things got to be better period. Um, I, I think the run stuffers have not stuffed enough and, uh, I I'm interested to see what Lou Anarumo cooks up now that we've seen Dax Hill match up on some tight ends, look a little bit better, but then the safeties get cooked on a couple of other things. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where that goes, but I know three guys on this, uh, on this panel right now want to see things get bunched up a little bit more um, after Thursday night football in this division. Um, I wish, uh, I, I wish that this would be a, a game where we bring everybody back down 
to four losses except e- either the Steelers or the Browns because I think we're, we're looking at the cream of the crop in our uh, division right here. I, I don't – I still think the Steelers and, the, and uh, to some extent the Browns are a little bit fraudulent, but uh, I, I want it to get back the way it's supposed to be and have us two fighting it out for the end of the the, the end of the year division race. So, uh, Kick Pope, we're gonna kick it over to you. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the spoiler alert here and let you know that we did our predictions on the uh, running through the jungle podcast already. None of us three picked your team. No, <laughs> I did preface it. I did preface it that. It's the one. It's the first time this year that I almost picked against us. I, I, this is going to be a tall task, and I just think I couldn't get myself to do it because we have to have this game so bad that I feel like we got to come out. I can't. I can't. I can't put that kind of bad karma, that juju, out in the world when we need this game this bad. So we're going to let you have your game prediction. What do you think the score is, and how do you see your Baltimore Ravens getting this done? So, real quick, I'm not—I don't know if I'm if I overread something, Justin, but I felt like I seen something on Twitter that said Trey Henderson was hurt or he would be out for a couple of weeks. I'm not sure, but maybe I maybe I read something wrong. I'm not sure. I saw—I thought I saw that on Twitter, so I could be mistakenly wrong. You're muted, Justin. Yeah, Justin. Sorry, I didn't realize I was muted there. So <laughs> you did see that there was the initial prognosis that he could be out with the MCL sprain for a couple of weeks, that it wasn't the hyperextended knee uh, for a couple of weeks. But we received, we saw the report today that because the Bengals are hosting a night practice tonight, and he was there in uniform practicing and everything. So it looks like that all systems may be go, and he's okay. going to play like the dude's a cyborg, man. He plays through injuries like it's nothing. So um, he reminds me of, like, if if Ben Roethlisberger was a defensive end, it would probably be Trey Hendrickson. Yeah. You remember those years when Big Ben played with broken legs, broken noses and stuff? Yeah. It was always frustrating. And he would go out and have his best game, too. Like, it was crazy how that happened. But Trey Hendrickson looks like all systems are go again. Yeah. Not going to promise, but he's back at practice today. He, he was officially listed as limited practice today. Okay. Um, T. Higgins, Sam Hubbard, and uh, Andre Yoshivash were did not practice. Everybody yeah, else didn't practice. Yeah. The I, only only limited practices we had were, were him and Davis Gaither, and everybody else was full. Yeah, I know for sure Ronnie's not playing. Marlowe's not playing. Um, so, and I think we're going to get back Morgan Moses this week. But I know Ronnie and Marlon Humphrey will not be playing for sure. Man, that's what football does, man. This time yeah, of year, you, we, ain't nobody got the, the right. same starting 22. Nobody. Yeah. So, as far as my prediction, of course, you know, I'm going to predict that the Ravens are going to win this game. I mean, <laughs> why would I go against the Ravens? You know, when- I almost did too, man. <laughs> so, I, I, this is what I think, right? I think that this game is very important for the Ravens because if you win this game, you put the Bengals in a situation where it's though it's a possibility. Well, I'm gonna say not a possibility. It's more likely that they're not going to win the division, right? Mm-hmm. Not only that, too, you put them in a situation where it makes their playoff situation very much tighter and harder to get in the playoffs. So, like, if you come out with the attitude knowing that the Bengals have been your nemesis for the last two years of you in getting in the playoffs or you winning the division. This is a game where you really want to come out and you want to win the game to be able to put them in a situation where though they don't even have the opportunity to even win a division and then put it in a situation where though every game they have for the rest of the year really is must win. Like they can't really lose any more because that puts a chokehold on, the, on their situation. So for me, I feel like the Ravens are going to come out understanding the situation and knowing that they have to win this football game and be able to come out victorious because you came off of a loss to the Browns where you really shouldn't have lost that game and I know you still feel salty about it but understanding the task ahead of you you got a team that's coming in here that just came off a loss too they lost to a Texas team that they should have won the game too so their attitude is going to be the same way as yours so to me it's going to be who wants the game more who wants to win it more who's going to fight to the end to actually win the game 
So I'm hoping that the Ravens come out with victorious because I believe that this game right here gives us the opportunity to put a lot of separation between us and the Bengals for the season. And I think if we win this game, there's no way that the Bengals can win the division. Do you see it being a, a high, a higher scoring game like the 27-24 for the first game? No. Uh, well, maybe somewhere in there. I'm going to say more along the lines like 23-20, something like that. Huh. Very close game. I don't think it's – I think it's going to be tight. I, I think it's going to be a tight game. I'm right there with you. I had 24-20. Yeah, because a lot you of guys follow beat up. up and banged up. So, I think that this, this is going to be tight. We got a follow-up question for you on – because you you explained that very well as is why you know i would even think that too if i'm the ravens because again it's about like who wants it more if the ravens win or if the Bengals win or whatnot but what is do you think the status of the team like the mindset of the team what if the uh, ravens were to lose this game because we kind of know how the Bengals will be like if they were to lose this all division lead winning hopes are out and as you just mentioned, we do know that if we are, were to drop this L, the season won't be over, stick a fork in us, unless you're mathematically actually out of it. But it does make your life a living hell trying to scratch and claw just to get a wild card spot. So what do you think that the mind frame would the Ravens have it if they were to lose on Thursday night? So if they was to lose on Thursday night, I know Lamar's mindset. Lamar's mindset still, he got one goal in his mind, and that's the, that's the win the ring. His mindset is straight. I want to win the ring. So even if they was a lose, I know his mindset is going to still be the same way. The state of the team, I guess they're going to be, they're probably going to be a little in shambles at that time, but they're going to realize too that, hey, we got 10 days off. Let's get corrected. We got the charges coming up and then we got a buy after that. And then let's come back healthy and finish out the season. So I believe they're still going to be up high spirits. Definitely going to be disappointed. But understand that the task at hands that as long as they take care of business, they'll still be able to get into the playoffs. Might not be able to win a division, but they'll still be able to get into the playoffs. So I still think they'll be fine, but they'll have an understanding that we don't have any room for error. Every game after that has to be, we have to win those games. Whereas though, if they do win this game, now you're, I'm not saying you're looking ahead, but it's almost like that week 18 game against the Steelers, that could be for the division depending on how the Steelers play out the rest of the season. Because I'm just looking at the Steelers and the Browns' schedule. Out of our division, between us and the, I mean, between the Bengals and the Ravens, we have the hardest schedule left in the division. The Browns mm -hmm. and the Steelers' schedule is very light. Like, they play, yeah. like, you know, less hard teams. Whereas, though, you know, between us and y'all, we got tough games left. I mean, I think you guys still got the Chiefs. We still got the 49ers. So, we got a lot of tough we games. We got the Jags. You know what I mean? When you look at the Steelers, they probably the Steelers and the Browns gotta play what? The Cardinals. Like they're not playing anybody really hard left. Like we got the hard games. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. this to me, that's why I say this game right here is huge because of what you got left on your schedule. You know what I mean? For both teams on both sides. Like I said, you guys win, then it puts the Ravens in a situation like, man, listen, it ain't got no error. It's no more error. And the same way for you guys. Hey man, if we lose. Bro, we can't lose another game. Yeah. I know the Bengals look at you like, bro, whatever it takes, we can't lose nothing else. Like, that's it. We took all the losses we could take. We got to win everything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's how that's how huge this game is Thursday night, man. This is like, to me, this should have been Sunday night football game of the week. That's how huge this game is. And it'll be coming. And I ain't going to lie. I actually thought that this was going to be a Sunday night game when the schedule makers are going to predict it, being that these two teams met in the wild card round last year. Does this feel like to you, though, that this may be what we might see in the playoff? Because it just feels like that. I want to just set up a third matchup against these two teams, maybe in a division round or AFC championship game for that matter. Because, oh. sorry, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I'm not sold on everybody else 100%. Kansas City has a great defense, too. And they still got Patrick Mahomes. You can never discount them. But they haven't really been impressive on offense. Outside of us three, who is really dominating the conference? Like, who has really been the truest impressive teams in the conference? I don't see a dominant team, to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest. I just, like, in the beginning, everybody was saying, oh, Kansas City's done. But I didn't see the dominance in Kansas City. I believe Kansas City no. has issues because they can't – they cannot – Without Travis Kelsey, who are they? You know what I'm saying? Their receivers are young. They're not that great. I'm not going to say they're not that great, 
but they're not tested enough to be playing well. And they, and they struggle. They, their defense has kept them alive. I believe Kansas City is going to drop a couple more games because their offense is just not that good to me. I think that they, yeah. they struggle a lot. Um, the, the, the Jaguars, who, I mean, really? They, they got we got games big. against them. We both got games right. against them. Trevor and Lawrence has not, has not been coming up big in big games. Those games right there to me are huge games. Like, like I'm going to be honest with you, this game, the Jacksonville game for us, and we still got Miami. Those three games to me are games that's going to say either we're going to be a one or a two seed or we're going to be a five or a six or a seven seed. Like, that's how huge those three games are on the schedule. And the same thing for y'all. They are huge games that's left. But to me, Jacksonville has issues. Miami Dolphins, they haven't beaten a team with a good record in, what, right. two, two or three seasons? You know, so there is no serious dominant team in AFC. I understand we say AFC it's up for is grabs. the best division, but I don't see no team that's like blown away dominant. They're just not. There is not. Everybody I, got issues. Everybody got concerns. Everybody got bumps in the rows where they took losses they shouldn't have took. I just think it's no pure dominant team. I don't see it. Even the Eagles, they're not dominant. I agree with you. I, I even said, you know, like the reason why I've taken the I took the AFC last year. I'm gonna take the AFC this year in the Super Bowl. I'm gonna take the AFC next year in the Super Bowl until they prove it to me. You can you can go well the the Eagles from top to bottom and 53 man roster have the best roster. Okay, they gotta play the quarterbacks that are in the AFC. Yep. And a quarterback can snatch your heart out, no matter how good your team is. Yep. It's kind of like having a dominant pitcher in baseball. So I don't I don't believe that. Now I man, I I see what you're saying about maybe the division comes down to you and the Steelers at the end of the day. But if it does, go ahead and ship that. Coach of the Year award up here to Pittsburgh, where I live, because Tomlin, if he can get outgained in yards every game, nine straight games outgained in yards, six and three, pulls a rabbit out of the hat. Magician of the Year is probably what he should be instead of Coach of the Year. That's wild. That's just absolutely wild. But he, they figure out a way to win. Yeah, I just believe that this game is going to dictate what's going to happen in the division to me. Yeah. That's how huge this game is. Because to me, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Ravens, I mean, if we want to keep it honest, we're the two most dominant teams in this division. The Browns, you just started learning how to do this, to be honest with you. You really haven't been winning like this because you really haven't had a quarterback. And you're still putting a lot of faith into Sean Watson. And I believe that Sean Watson really has his issues too. And I don't think he's all the way what you think he is. But, I mean, time will tell. But I yep. believe that the Bengals and the Ravens really are the more dominant teams in this division because we have the best two quarterbacks in this division. And mm -hmm. our two quarterbacks dictate what we do. You know, yep. Joe Burrow's excellent quarterback. We know who Joe Burrow is. We've seen him do it several times. We've seen him go into Kansas City and win those games when it was crucial. We've seen him go up to Buffalo and take care of business. So we know who Joe Burrow is. We know what these teams are. When you look at the, the the Steelers and the and the Browns, they don't do those type things because they don't have the quarterbacks to do that. That's why I feel yeah. like when playoffs come for them, it's not going to be what they think it's going to be. They're going to probably be one and done in those type of situations. You need a good quarterback play when you get to the playoffs, and I just don't think that they have. Well said. Well and said. like one thing, one thing that I want to say is when it comes to the Browns and the Steelers, they're actually the the both identical teams. They got good defenses, yeah. But their but their offenses can't can't they can't get it done. And honestly, you know, if you can score, you know, 28, 31 points on the Steelers or the Browns, you can actually win the game. You know, but that that's my feeling about you know the the Steelers and the Browns is they're they're pretty much the same identical teams. You know, but you know it's a long season. I see that man. I see that. I, I, one thing I will say for sure, there's a reason why no one's won this division three years in a row. Yeah. And we're trying to. Yeah. Um, and it's tough. And you guys have a little bit of a feeling that your back's against the wall and you know you can come out and step on our throat and, and probably zero out our divisional chances for us. 
And we know that our back's against the wall. And if we want a chance to get where we want to go, we got to come out swinging. So I expect it to be a very entertaining game on Thursday. Friday morning at work is going to be a long day for me. It's going to be a rough one, man. Yeah. It's going to be a rough one. Yeah. This is, this is, but this is what we want, though. We it want, is. We want games like this. This is what makes, to me, this is what makes the NFL entertaining. You want stuff like this. I don't want to see the uh, Carolina Panthers and the Bears on a Thursday night. That was man. awful. I need some entertainment. You know what I'm saying? That was horrible football last week, man. Yeah, I uh, I went to bed knowing that my under was safe at that game. That's all I knew. Oh, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done at halftime. Yeah. It's going to be under. I'm out of here. Yeah. And I don't all think right, well, there's hey. been a, a good Thursday night game in weeks. The Thursday night games have been sleepers. Uh, that'll change. That'll change for sure. That's the one thing I can guarantee. This is going to be an entertaining game. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an entertaining, entertaining game for sure. Yeah, AFC North football is best. Yep. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on. Um, once again, check out Only One Ravens here on Fans First Sports Network with our guy here, King Pope. We appreciate you coming out. Strange love, man. We give you flowers. You guys have a great team. Uh, it takes two teams to play this great game. Hopefully on Thursday, yours doesn't win. But <laughs> I do appreciate you coming on here. Best of luck, man, and everything in the future. And we will go get out of here. Thanks for joining us. Run it through the jungle. Until next time, who day? And we'll talk to you later. Peace out, man.